In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present among us in the most blessed sacrament, we have made it to the end of the liturgical year. And at the end of the liturgical year, uh, we have this great solemnity of Christ the King, that we acknowledge you, Lord, as King of the entire universe. And now I, first of all, I just love that, that we, we call you, Lord, the, the king of the, the whole universe, um, not just the king of this or king of the, the entire universe, um, not even just the world, right? It's not the Titanic moment, I'm the king of the world. No, you're, you're the king of the universe, Jesus, the, the whole thing. Um, you are a king. And as we contemplate you, Lord, tonight in this meditation, we recognize, we confess that you, you are our king, um, that you, you act as king in the world and in our lives, and that you, you have the, right, the, right, the role of king. Now, with regard to the kingdom of our Lord, Jesus, you are a king. Uh, in this theology book about the spiritual theology of St. Jose Maria Scriva, there's a, a line about it's not just a question of making Christ a king, right? We don't, Jesus, we don't make you a king. You already are one. Christ is the Lord, the king. That comes from Christ's passing by homily by St. Jose Maria. So rather, it's a question of men and women recognizing you as their king. You already are the king. It's not something we, we make. It's not something we do. It's not like we've elected you are king. You are the king. And our job now is to recognize it, to, to confess that you are our king, to, to, and then to live that in our life, to, our, to allow our lives to actually be subject to you, our king. And that our, our cry should be, we want Christ to reign. Lord, we, we want you to reign as our king. There's a passage in the Gospel of Luke that we just read in the daily Mass readings this, this week. A ruler... Um, no, hold on. We definitely read it this week, but where I, I... Oh, yeah, here you go. Um, a nobleman went into a far country to receive kingly power. And again, that stands for our Lord who just a few days after this happens, and we're, we're basically at Holy Week, our Lord will go to a, a far land. He will go uh, first descend to hell and then um, 
be, be exalted in heaven with the resurrection. He went to a far land to receive kingly power and, and then to return, to come back. And so again, our Lord ascended into heaven. He's seated in the throne of heaven, but he will come back. And so he called 10 of his servants to trade. Um, and they go through the whole parable of the talents there. Um, but, his, but the citizens hated him. And they sent an embassy after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. The citizens, the, the, the rightful subjects of the king, they, they send a, a, a delegation almost. We do not want this man to be our king because they hated him. And Jesus, how much does this happen with your people? We, your church, are your people. We've been baptized. We are part of your kingdom and you are our king. And not just our king because we're baptized, but you're the king of the entire universe. But do we ever send a delegation from our heart? I do not want this man to reign over me because I hate him. God forbid, Lord. I would never, I hope my heart never says that, but maybe without putting it in words. Um, the heart can at times cry out, I, I don't want Jesus to be my king. Jesus, I don't want you to reign over me. I don't want you to have control of my life. I want control. When you have a monarch, they're in control. They're the boss, right? Um, but I want control. I want to have, my, I want to reign over myself. I want to be my own king. King of my kingdom. I want, it's, Australia has a fun way of turning phrases, right? I'm a king in my own kingdom. In Australia, uh, they say, you're a legend in your own lunchbox, right? You're a legend in your own lunchbox. And I, I, someone told that to me, right? <laughs> you're a legend in your own lunchbox. I had no idea what that meant. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, okay, <laughs> whatever. Thank you. Um, thank you, Aussie friend. But they, good day, mate. Uh, no, but they... Um, but, you know, you're, you're the king of your own kingdom. I want, I want to do things my way. I kind of set the tone. And, um, and that doesn't work. But that's, that's what our hearts would cry out in those moments. We say at times, I do not want this man to reign over me. I don't want, I don't want this person as my king. I'm not willing to recognize them as my king. But no, for the Christian, that should, it should never be that. Rather... Reniare Christu Christe volumus. We want Christ to reign. We want Jesus to reign. Jesus, we want you to, you know, in opposition to all the people in our world that say, we do not want this man to reign over us. We don't want the kingdom of Christ. We don't want, you know, uh, in the preface for the Mass this weekend, what does the kingdom of Christ look like? A kingdom of truth and life, a kingdom of holiness and grace, a kingdom of justice love, and peace. And how many people in the world say, we do not want that kingdom. We don't want Christ to be our king. But we, his people, we say, I want Christ to reign. We want Christ to reign. We want this man to be our king. Right? If there's going to be a group of people that say, we don't want Jesus our king, we're going to say, we, we do want him. 
Jesus, I actually want you to be my king. You're my king. You know, there's the beautiful um, praise and worship song, the king of my heart. Lord, are you the, are you the king of my heart? Um, do, I, do I trust you in that way? Do I, do I subject myself to you? Right, when we, um, when we have a king, you, su- you are subject of the king, right? I'm a, I'm a subject of a king. So again, with my friends from um, Eng- uh, Australia and the English, like they're good subjects of the Queen of England, right? Um, I'm not, I, as an American, I'm not subject to any earthly ruler. We have a democracy. Uh, they, I guess, would say they have a democracy too, but whatever. Um, but no, with regard to the universal sense and the spiritual sense, Jesus, I want to be your subject. And that means I subject myself to you. I, I, I recognize between you and I that, that you're the boss, you're the king, you're in charge. You don't argue with your king. Um, the church down the road used to have a sign. They have a lot of clever signs. But I love the sign that they had for a while there. If God is your co-pilot, then switch seats, right? If God's your co-pilot, switch seats. Um, like Jesus, if you're my co-pilot, I need to switch seats. Um, that that you, you need to be the pilot. And I'm, I'm a passenger, an active passenger, an active part of the whole thing. But still, I'm a, I'm a passenger in your great quest. There's something very epic about kings. When we start talking about kings, a friend of mine, you know, the, the return of the king, the Lord of the Rings, the return of the king, and this whole idea uh, captured in, in epic fiction, epic fantasy by J.R.R. Tolkien, very devout Catholic. The king will come back to his city. And the city is waiting for the king to come back. And at least in the books, the character of the king wants to come back. He, wa- he knows what he's about. It's his time. The movies kind of mess with the whole thing and mess it all up. It's very reluctant. I don't know. That's not how, that, Jesus, that's not the type of king you are. You're the king. You, you know who you are as king. You demand our fealty, to be faithful to you. And you want to come back. Um, you're ready to, to come back at, at your time. You've gone to obtain the kingship for yourself in heaven. And you rule as king already. And you will come back and hopefully find us ready. Ready and welcoming of you. There's in, um, in the first book of Samuel... When Saul, when the people are asking for a king, now again, this isn't such a nice setting, but when the people are asking, they're demanding for a king, and Samuel says, this is what's going to happen, right? Um, he tells them what he's going to do. He will take your sons and appoint them to be his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he'll appoint himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground. He'll take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He'll take the best of your fields and vineyards, olive orchards, and give them to his servants. He'll take a tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to, your office, to his officers and his servants. Well, Jesus, this is, it was maybe bad that Israel wanted someone to do this, but as a king, this is your right. And so it's, it's right to be part of the army of the king. 
On account of our confirmation, we are milites Christi. Miles Christi. We're soldiers of Christ. In your, your, you are the king who fights with us. A king's role is to lead his people in battle, right? That is, at least in the Old Testament, the primary thing a king does isn't just sit in a palace and have people fan him all day and make rules. The primary thing a king did in these warring nations and clans and tribes is to lead his people to battle, to fight with them as one of them, to be there inspiring his people to defend their land and their families, which is why it's such a problem when, um, when David, David sins. Because what we hear is, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go forth to battle, David sent Joab, one of the other, one of his, you know, lieutenants, to go do this. And he remained in Jerusalem, taking naps. And, and look what trouble that caused him. The king's role is to go into battle, and we, his people, are supposed to go with him. Jesus doesn't want to just go on his own. He calls us to be part of it. And it's a sacrifice. When your king calls you into battle, you go. And you kind of, for a period of time, put your life on hold. And it's dangerous. You could die. You could never come home. But the king says, we're going to fight. We're going to conquer lands. St. Ignatius of Loyola has a beautiful meditation on the, the call of the king, um, that there are earthly kings um, that they, they call people, they summon people to battle. Okay, well, I haven't downloaded it. I'm in airplane mode, so it's not happening. But they, um, they su- he, from memory, having prayed with it a number of times, he said, imagine an earthly king who is going and, you know, mustering his forces to go and conquer far-off lands, to go and win new lands for his kingdom, new people to be brought into the family. And he says to the people there, who will come with me? Who's going to go into battle with me? But if you do, you have to eat what I eat out in the out in the field, whatever we can manage. And you have to sleep on the hard ground with me as we go and we're going to fight. We're going to work hard all day. Are you willing to come with me? If those who come will share in the victory. And then all the more so the call of Christ the King. Jesus, you call us to follow you. Follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Not to you know, slaughter other people. But to be fishers of men, you're the king and you call us. And maybe each of us in some way has to leave stuff behind to be available for the king. How, how sad is it? You know, there's the, again, the wedding feast where the, the king invites wedding, people to the wedding feast of his son and says, I'm too busy. I bought a field. I got to go look at it. Or I bought some, some oxen. I'm going to go check them out, right? I got married. <laughs> if I just got married, another way I could do anything about that. So, you know, um, well, Lord, you call us to go with you into battle as fishers of men, as apostles. You, call, you actually call us. And we have to be willing to, to follow you in that way. Huh, okay? As long as it doesn't interrupt my life. 
Sounds like I keep doing whatever I want to do, whenever I want, however I want. No. Jesus as our king to be real apostles following you. It means we're going to make sacrifices. It means we're going to have to make some changes in our life and our schedule, in big ways and in small ways, in our families, in our relationships, sometimes changing our job, right? Real apostolic men and women who, who change their jobs to be more available for apostolate. I have this one job and it's keeping me working at time. I, I just have no time to do apostolate. Maybe I need to take a different job. It'll have less pay. It won't be as, as much, you know, fun, but I can be an apostle. Jesus, you're the king and you're on campaign and you call us to, to that, that level of dedication, in, each in our own way, somehow. But you call us, Lord. You're our king. And you do something. I think part of the beauty of this, this image of the king, Jesus, king, you do something, right? The king is meant to be in battle for his people to fight on their behalf, to inspire them. When you see the king out there fighting, doing this, working, it inspires us. I can't do less than my king. If I'm going to want to share in his victory, I have to share in, my, in the toil, in the work. The, um, the popular show, The Crown, uh, kind of shows the, the very sad impotence of the British monarchy in some ways. Now it's highly dramatized, I'm sure, that the, the queen only has a very limited, a very, very limited role. And that most of the story is about the drama of her needing to do nothing. That her role as a constitutional monarch is not to do anything. It, it's to be a figurehead, to be a symbol, but to stay out of it all to not get involved. Well, Jesus, you're not that type of a king. That, that's not, you know, we can't have this image that Jesus is like, you know, the king or queen of England. Just stay out of it, look pretty, smile and wave. And Jesus, you're a king that fights for us. You identify with, you lower yourself, you humble our, yourself for us. In Matthew's gospel, 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel, we have the, the judgment of the nations, right? We would normally, I think, read that. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he'll separate them one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. Place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I, when we consider our king... If we, if we were in the presence of an earthly king, we'd say, when? We would say the same thing, when? You're the king. When were you hungry? You're a king. You could just snap your fingers, get whatever you want. You're thirsty. You're naked. You were a stranger. You were sick. You were in prison. My king, when? When did, when did any of these things happen? 
And that's what the righteous say. Righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you to drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. My Jesus, you're a king who identifies yourself with us. You lower yourself for us. And so you're not aloof. Your job isn't to do nothing. Rather, you, you become one of us. You are one of us. And so you love us in that way. You identify with your people. And you take upon yourself our hardships. Oh, no. God could never be hungry. You don't know what it's like to be hungry or thirsty or naked or afraid, imprisoned, alone. But no, our king does. He became one of us. There's a, and in becoming one of us, he, he teaches us. He, he gives us an example that we too should get over ourselves and be willing to follow him in this way. Our king is inspiring us. And so we too should, um, you know, follow him. This is, I think, in a, in a cool way, uh, in a story, in a modern, modern fiction fantasy book, which is actually, the book is quoting a made-up book called The Way of Kings, which is the title of the book. And so this little fable there. I once saw a spindly man carrying a stone larger than his head upon his back. And he stumbled beneath the weight, shirtless under the sun, wearing only a loincloth. He tottered down a busy thoroughfare. This uh, passage is being narrated by, by a king, by the king of this land. So this man carrying this big stone tottered down the thor- busy thoroughfare, and people made way for him. Not because they sympathized with him, but because they feared the momentum of his steps. You dare not impede one such as this. The monarch, the king, is like this man, stumbling along, the weight of a kingdom on his shoulders. Many give way before him, but so few are willing to step in and carry the stone. They don't wish to attach themselves to the work, lest they condemn themselves to a life full of extra burdens. How much is that with the kingdom of our Lord, Christ the King? We see you, Lord, doing these things. And we get out of your way. It's good that you do them. But I am not getting involved in that. I'm not going to pick up that stone and carry it myself. No, no. And so we could ask, you know, if our king identifies with us. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. We could ask ourselves, Jesus. When on your account have I ever been hungry? Have I ever skipped a meal in service of the gospel? Or withheld, you know, having a, an extra sip of water? Just a little bit more, nothing crazy, not going, you know, all dehydrated. But yeah, I'm a little thirsty right now. I could hold off another, you know, hour. I remember there was a priest in, in Rome. I didn't even notice it at the time. I thought, oh, that's weird. But then afterwards, I'm like, wow. It was a real mortification, like a hot day, real salty meal. 
And we had cups that were only about, you know, not that, not that big. They're not these big glasses, but these little cups. And at a meal, he would only have one glass of water. Like, it was small little mortification. Didn't draw any attention to it, but I would always be, I would always be generous. Like, I'm having eight, nine, ten of these, particularly with a salty meal, right? And so anytime I go to pour, I'm like, oh, let me get you more water. He's like, no, no I'm good, thanks. Um, very, very polite about it. Very, very natural. But no, I'm good, thanks. Right? Little mortification. It just one, one small cup of water at a meal. Again, why? Out of love for you, Lord. Out of love for you. I can offer this up. I can carry my burden with you. I can be um, at times alone, going into far off areas. I mean, I'll, I'll be very honest. I have been, it's been great getting to know all the extra, all the new people that are going to be part of our communities here in our joint parishes. Um, but I felt a little alone these last few weeks, kind of missing our Sunday community. Uh, but for you, Jesus, like, yeah, it's worth it because you're the king. And so we can offer these little things to you, um, new ways. We're not just going to watch you carry this stone around and get out of your way because of the momentum. But we're going to do it with you. We're going to help you. You're the king, and you call us to follow you. You call us to be part of your army out of love for us. There's souls to win. Come with me. We're going to win new kingdoms. New souls, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus, do we allow you to call us? You are the king. We're not going to make you king. We want you to reign. You already are king. We hope more and more people will come to recognize you as our king. And so as we close this meditation, in your great regal generosity, Jesus, you've given the the title of queen of heaven and earth to your mother. In in ancient times, when polygamy was a a thing, right? Um, Not that that's good, but it was tolerated, whatever. Um, Marrying kings would have many wives. And so which one would be the real queen? Scott Hahn has a great book about this called Hail, Holy Queen, where he points out that the queen is the mother, the mother of the king, because a king may have many wives, but he only has one mother. And so our mother, our lady, our queen, Mary, queen of heaven and earth, is the mother of the king. And so it's a great honor bestowed upon her, not because of any merits of her own, but entirely because she is the mother of the king of the universe. Mary, the queen of all the angels and the saints. And so mother, pray for us. You recognize, you're the first to worship your son as king of the universe, and so help us. You're the first soldier in his army. Fiat, let it be done to me according to your word. You're on board. God gives you this, this great mission, and you're, you're there. So mother, pray for us and help us to recognize your son as our king and to love him and to serve him, to be faithful in his apostolic task of winning many more souls for the glory of God. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.